Welcome to the Human Resources for Small Business Podcast, presented by Zenium HR. I'm your host, Brandon Laws. Whether you're an HR professional or a small business leader, each episode of this podcast is designed to bring you the latest in technical HR and leadership at your convenience. More content is available on our website at www.zeniumhr.com. Let's dive into today's topic. Welcome to the HR for Small Business podcast. This is Brandon Laws, and returning guest Lacey Halpern is with us once again. Lacey, how are you? Great. Glad to be here today. So we're sitting here. It's middle of September. School just started. It did. Kids are back. You personally, your daughter is in school for the first time. She is. She just started kindergarten. That's crazy. It is crazy. And as you know, like with having a kid in school, there's a lot of things that come up out of nowhere, whether it's sickness or conferences that are going to come up and maybe you haven't gone through the conferences yet. But let's, let's just talk about like some scenarios here. Yeah. So. What happens when your daughter's sick and in school? What do you do for work? Like, what happens? It's interesting. So she started actually, um, we're going on our um, third week now, and she actually missed a day of school already. last week already. Oh, yeah. Right. So it's been it's been quite the interesting transition going from having a really flexible daycare where I could drop her off very early in the morning and pick her up you know, after five o'clock at night, which was helpful for me. And now dealing with a situation where there are attendance rules yeah, even for rules school. Right. So um, I wasn't expecting her to get sick so quickly. And um, I think some of my clients are experiencing that now too, employees that are having to call off from work because their kids are sick. So that's probably one of the the biggest conversations that I'm having right now with my clients is our employees' children are back in school now. Lots of kids together equals lots of germs being shared, and kids are bound to get sick. And the irony about staying home uh, with your kid for being sick is that you're bound to get it too, right? So yes. it's like you might go back to work for one one day and then come back and you're you're sick and bedridden. It's true. So it's it's like how do you, how do you manage that as a parent? Right. And especially with like two working parents or single parents who are mm-hmm. working, how do you manage all that? Yeah, I, I think it's it can be challenging. There's a couple things that employers should should be aware of, especially for the listeners out there that have companies here in Oregon. For those of you that have uh, businesses with 25 or more employees, a lot of times when we think about family medical leave, we think it's this really, you know, formal thing and it's when someone has a baby or they need to have surgery and they take time off from work. That's naturally what I think of. Right. Well, there's something called Oregon Sick Child Leave. And so this is a leave that is available to employees that have worked for a business for 180 days, so about six months. They're working an average of 25 hours a week. So these are your part-time employees that have worked for you for just six months. They could qualify for this. And what this leave is available for is when your kiddo gets sick, like a cold or maybe the stomach flu or chicken pox, not serious health condition type leaves where you have to take extended time is off. That, so what you're talking about the extend, extended leaves, that's under OFLA? 
It could be both. So okay. you might take time off because your child has a really serious health condition and they're getting treatment for it. Let's say, for example, if a child had cancer and mm -hmm. they were undergoing chemotherapy and you had to be off for an extended period of time. That's one type of leave. This leave I'm talking about is just called sick, sick child leave. Child. It's just for those instances, like with Avery last Friday, she had a fever in the morning and a really runny nose and I didn't feel comfortable sending her to school. So you know, you, you keep the kid home and the leave is so that you can stay home with the child. It's not meant to just sort of be that extra day to have a three-day weekend. It's really the child is ill. It can be challenging for employers to manage this. Um, you're not allowed to require documentation until the fourth absence, so four occurrences where the employee or parent has to take time off of work. You can start asking for documentation. The caveat to that is that do you take your kid to the doctor when they have a runny nose? Not mm -hmm. usually. And if the employer requires that the employee get a note, then the employer is responsible for paying any out-of-pocket costs associated. Yeah. So um, this sick child leave, not many people are aware of it. They should be, especially if you're a company I've with 25 employees. <laughs> and um, I think just being aware that kids are going to get sick, your employees that have children may need to miss work, um, especially in, you know, in this month and next month. I think as time goes on during the school year, employers usually see the absences for sick children decrease. Um, I also have some clients right now that are, um, we're talking about the flu. So there's been some stuff I've heard on the radio even and on TV um, about, you know, employees or uh people kind of paying attention to flu shots and the employers are allowed to offer these flu shot clinics to their employees. And I've been coordinating some of those for my clients. So what we do is we can coordinate with different people. There are companies that specialize in this. They'll come out to your site. They'll administer flu shots for your employees and they'll bill directly to the insurance carrier. So it's kind of a cool benefit that you can provide and the employees then don't have to go to a pharmacy or to their doctor to get the flu shots. So. so let's let's talk one more time about the um, this sick leave that's available. Right. What? How many days are available? And just maybe um, you know for for those that are employees that they want to take advantage of something like this. And then also just so employers are aware of like this is a law. Right. So the the maximum amount is twelve weeks. Twelve weeks. Four hundred and eighty hours. Wow. Most people don't use up that much time That'd for sick crazy. child leave. Um, Who could take that much time unpaid? <laughs> right, and it's unpaid time off. You're allowed to use vacation or PTO. For companies that are in Portland and are required to provide Portland paid sick leave. Which is these, probably going to be Oregon State wide. It will come January. Yeah. Yep, come January. So it'll be any listeners out there that have businesses here in Oregon. Yeah, and we actually have a podcast on that too, so re I'll just reference that. We'll put a link in the show notes for that. Great. Yeah, the Oregon State sick leave, I think it's it's going to be complicated, so listeners will definitely want to pay attention to whether or not they qualify for that. But those absences that we're talking about that fall under the sick child leave, those are qualified absences under Portland paid sick leave right now. So if you're not offering Portland paid sick leave and you've got six or more employees in Portland right now, you should be paying attention to that because that time off that they're taking up to the 40 hours should be paid. Okay, so we've talked about sickness. Mm -hmm. What about when conferences come up? Right. Because those are inevitable. They are, and events. At, you know, tutoring or, or like mm -hmm. wherever you need to be involved where your child is like maybe behind or something or just needs a little bit of extra care. Mm -hmm. where you have to be really involved with the teachers or the school. Yes. How do you, how do you manage that when it doesn't fall under the sick leave? Stuff? Yeah, and, and there are things that are, 
you know, the extra support for the kids, like you said, tutoring when we have to go to conferences. Then there's the fun things, sports (laughs) or musicals or plays that kids might be involved in where employees want to take time off. So obviously making sure your employees are aware of the time off request standard procedure that you have and then also what the benefits are in terms of paid time for that. Allowing flexible schedules too. I think that can be a great way to set yourself apart from other businesses. And I'm not saying that we want to allow employees to flex necessarily every week, but allowing some flexibility for when those things come up and having a culture or an environment in your business where you demonstrate to employees that you care about that kind of stuff. You care about them as a human being, just like they are an employee. You know, we understand that people have lives and families. I think that's something that employers can do that can be really, really helpful to retain some of the top talent that they have. Let me ask you this, because you're talking about the flexible schedule stuff to to try to alleviate some of the pain of like, I have to go pick up my kid or, you know, all that stuff. What have you seen employers do? Because to me, this sort of how do you put this down in a policy? Like, mm-hmm. hey, we're going to have a flexible schedule. Whereas, like, if it just sort of ebbs and flows with the, you know, the requests that come in mm-hmm. and you, you talked about a culture of just a flexible, you know, schedule. Yeah. What have you seen employers do to Depends to on the environment. That? You know, in a professional services environment like we have, the flexible schedule is a little bit easier, I think, versus maybe a manufacturing facility where there's, yeah, and there's a shift change where there has to be coverage or retail or restaurant environment. Those are, that's more challenging. I think when I say flexible, I mean giving the employees the ability to ask for time off without it feeling like there's going to be some punishment or discipline associated with it. And that comes to training the managers, right? So even in just the way the managers respond to requests, that can change the culture and the dynamic in the work group, the department, the business, whatever it is. If I don't feel comfortable going to my manager to say, hey, Avery has a conference next week and it's at three, you know, the teachers aren't going to stay much past five or six, so it's at three and that's that's when I need to, to be there. I have to leave here at 2.30. Are you comfortable with that? Having a manager that responds positively and supportively, that can go a long way. So, but what you're also saying is, when you're taking a flexible, you're going to leave at three to go to go pick up Avery. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you're done for the day necessarily. Not necessarily. What you're what you're saying is, you're going to probably make up that time somewhere else. Potentially, yeah. I think it. And if you know, not, then it just probably works out in the end. Like you're going to put a 50 hour work weekend versus a, you know, 35 for one week. Exactly, and it, we want to pay attention to whether folks are classified as exempt or non-exempt. That, that's a good, yeah. Discussion. So. You know, using PTO, how you require employees to use it, whether it's in one-hour increments or four-hour increments, all this stuff is going to come into play. So making sure that your systems for scheduling and time off are really dialed in right now, I think that's going to be really important for employers. Have you ever seen where the flexible schedule, even though it's not like written down in a policy somewhere in a handbook, where it's backfired and it's kind of to ruin the culture. Here's an example. Let's say there's a few people that are constantly using the flexible schedule, and then there's some people that are really tied to their desk, and the, the, their workload doesn't allow them to get out. So there may be some jealousy, or yeah. you know, how, have you seen that? Because that, that has yeah. to exist. It does exist, and I think the you know the remedy for that is having managers be held accountable for managing performance. So that to me sounds like a performance issue. Hmm. Maybe um, it's created by people not working a full eight-hour day, but what it really sounds like is there's people that are working hard getting their work done, and there's other people that, that maybe aren't. 
And so making sure that employees understand, you know, what the expectations are and when they're not meeting expectations, they're held accountable for that and that managers are held accountable for doing all of that stuff. Using one-on-ones to check in with employees about workload and things like that I think can be helpful. So hopefully you can catch the fact that maybe there's somebody that's feeling like they're carrying most of the weight. And having managers have a sense of what people are working on, that can help too. So, Being back to school, like what else is pretty crazy that, uh, you know, as a parent with a child in school or children in school, what, what else comes up that, you, that you've seen? You know, I think that the sickness thing is really the the big hot topic and, and the scheduling piece. One thing that I was hoping we could talk with um, listeners about is for those companies out there that employ people, minors, that are in school, there are things that we should be thinking about. So I know that I have clients that have 16 and 17-year-olds working for them, and we have a lot of Zenium clients that do that. So I think it'd be great if we could talk a little bit about the requirements that employers have. Specifically here in Oregon, I have a background in some of the Washington rules too. So one of the things that is really important right off the bat is that employers have all of their proper documentation to even be able to employ minors. So Washington and Oregon require that you that you go through the proper steps and fill out the appropriate paperwork. Both of the, all that stuff is available on Washington's LNI website and the Boley website for Oregon. So that's the first step. Make sure that you're set up to even be able to have minors working for you. And then there are a couple things to think about. One is schedules. So that includes the number of hours they can work in a week, the number of hours they can work in a day, what are their rest and meal periods that are required for minors that are working, because they're different than your people mm-hmm. that are over 18. And most of the time, I would, I would be surprised if anyone ever had a minor that was an exempt employee where you didn't have to worry about those rest periods. So for the most part, we're just going to be talking about hourly, non-exempt minor employees. And then there's also some types of work that minors aren't allowed to do. So understanding, you know, from the the highest level of leadership perspective, what are the 16, 17, 15-year-olds doing? Because there's some types of equipment and work that they're not allowed to do. So That's very interesting. Gosh, anything else that kind of comes to mind? I mean, this has been pretty interesting. I don't have, I have two kids, but neither of them are in school yet and yeah. haven't, haven't ran into this issue. My wife's also a stay-at-home mom, so this may not even be an issue long-term for me, but I know other people who are listening, they go through this issue all the time, and and I'm sure they, um, whether they're managers or employees, they, they want to know what, what's available to them. Yep. I think just, you know, if there's any one takeaway for the folks that are listening to this podcast today, it's just make sure that your managers are communicating with the human resource department or Zenium if you have questions as it relates to employees taking time off of work because their children are sick, employees missing work themselves because they're sick, and then make sure that your schedules and what your minor employees are doing is within the rules um, for the particular state that you're working in. All that stuff is really critical. It should be top of mind right now. Awesome. Lacey, thanks again for joining the podcast. Sure. It's been awesome. Thanks. Great to be here. Thanks for listening to the Human Resources for Small Business podcast. Subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our blog at www.zeniumhr.com forward slash blog and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn to hear about the latest in HR and leadership. The information on today's episode is for educational purposes only 
and should not be taken as legal or customized advice for you or your organization. This podcast is hosted and fully produced by Brandon Laws, that's me, and created and owned by Zenium Resources, Inc. For more information or to contact us, visit www.zeniumhr.com.